0: Last week we looked at Isaiah chapter 42, just slowly working our way through that chapter. This week we will be looking to Isaiah 43. And before we do so, let me just give you some facts about the book of Isaiah as a whole. The book of Isaiah was written between 739 and 681 B.C., The prophet Isaiah was primarily called to prophesy to the southern kingdom of Judah. Isaiah ministered in Judah at the same time the Assyrian kingdom conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. The meaning of Isaiah's name is the Lord is salvation, which is fitting because more than any other book in the Old Testament, Isaiah focuses on on the salvation that will come through the promised Messiah. Thus, Isaiah has been called the Messianic prophet, the Paul of the Old Testament. The book of Isaiah has been called the Gospel according to Isaiah, or rightly called the first Gospel. Often we refer to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the Gospels. But many refer to Isaiah as the first gospel, the gospel before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The word salvation appears 33 times in the writing of the prophets, and of these, 26 instances occur in Isaiah. Isaiah is quoted or referenced numerous times in the New Testament, and it's difficult to count the exact number of quotations from the Old Testament because often. The New Testament reference will be an incomplete quotation or an allusion, but not a direct quote of a verse in the Old Testament. But I think it's safe to say that Isaiah is quoted or alluded to over 60 times throughout the New Testament. So there are just some brief facts about the book of Isaiah. And by way of reminding you as to why we are studying Isaiah, why are we going through these chapters through Isaiah 40? Well, purpose number one, to help you develop some hands-on habits that will assist you in your personal daily reading and meditation of God's Word. That's purpose number one. I'm hoping as we slowly work our way through these verses that it will pour over to your personal time with the Lord. Purpose number two, we're going through Isaiah to show you the wonderful unity of Scripture. I'm hoping that you will come to recognize that the writings of the prophets were read, studied, delighted in, and referenced by Jesus and His apostles. And Likewise, I'm hoping that you will see that the Old Testament prophets preached the same message the New Testament apostles preached, namely... Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's one message of both Old and New Testament. There's one gospel. Not two messages, not two gods, not two gospels, one. So I'm hoping to show you that as we go through it. The prophets preached the gospel, the same message that the apostles preached. And the apostles referenced that message from the Old Testament. Purpose number three, I'm wanting to show you that the truths of God's electing grace that we are setting on Sunday night are not truths rarely mentioned in Scripture, but frequently mentioned in Scripture. They are not truths unique to the New Testament, as some people suppose. They are sprinkled everywhere throughout the Old Testament Scriptures. And then purpose number four, I'm hoping in this study... That you will be strengthened in your knowledge of who God is, what God has done, and what God has promised to do, so that you might be spiritually encouraged and comforted in the Savior. So you should have Isaiah chapter 43 before you. Hopefully you have something to write with. I know we were a little short on time last week as I read the whole chapter and then went back looking at it verse by verse. So... We're going to jump right in by just reading verse by verse and then giving comment as we work our way through. So Isaiah chapter 43, the Bible says, But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. So there's verse number one. What sticks out to us? What truths are being emphasized? Thus saith the Lord that created thee. All right? God is the creator. Of all things. And in this specific statement, is Isaiah speaking of creation in a material sense or a spiritual sense? Well, I think it's both, right? Because the context defines it for us. Thus saith the Lord that created thee. He is our creator, so we have existence. But continue on. He is the one who has created thee, O Jacob. And he that formed thee, O Israel. So he's specifically talking to the people of God as a nation and as a spiritual people. So we see the first truth staring us in the face is that God is a creator not only of physical things, but of spiritual things. He is the one who has formed And fashioned Jacob or Israel to be as it is. And is this true? Let's trace it back in our minds. Genesis. Where did Jacob or Israel come from? Abraham. Abraham had a son. Isaac. Isaac had a son. Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. I'm feeling Pastor Doyle's spirit among us. (laughs) God called Abraham out of the Ur of Chaldees. Why Abraham? Because he was special? Because he was more meritorious before God? Because he was more righteous? No. Only because God chose Abraham in His grace. And likewise, we see that continuing through Isaac and Jacob. Are there not references with Isaac and Jacob, regarding the elder serving the younger. Now, now that's backwards, because traditionally, historically, the one with the blessing and the one with the birthright privileges is the older one. And God said, no, it's going to be the other way. So, God in His grace has chosen Israel. Jacob, these people, to bring about Messiah. Again, question, why Israel? Why Israel out of all the nations of the earth? The Bible answers it for us. Was it Israel because they are more mighty than other nations? Is that what Moses tells us in the law? No. Is Israel more righteous than any other nation? No. God chose Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel because... He wanted to. The Bible specifically says that God loves Israel because He loves Israel. So is God wrong in that? Should we charge God with evil for choosing whom He wants to choose? Again, we're thinking of Scripture. Paul answers this in Romans chapter 9. Who are we? The created clay to shake our fist at God and say, You've done wrong. You're not being righteous in how you deal with men. So, right off the bat, here in verse 1, we see this message of God's sovereign grace. God is a God of grace, and specifically, He's showing grace. To Israel. Thus saith the Lord that created thee. God has created Israel. O Jacob, and he that formed thee. There's a synonymous term. Fear not. For I. I would underline that if I'm doing a Bible study here. I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name Thou art mine. Any truths come to mind that we've been studying Sunday night? You should be thinking about John chapter 10, verse 3. The good shepherd calls his sheep by name and brings the sheep unto himself and they follow him. There's the truth right here in Isaiah chapter 43. I have redeemed you. You did not redeem yourself. You could not redeem yourself. I have called you. and This is a spiritual calling. It's not just a physical calling. They do belong to a physical nation. But what is being talked about here is spiritual in nature. It's being talked about of salvation. Thou art mine. You are my possession. You are my people. Verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and Seba for thee. All right, now let's look at these two verses. There's reference here to waters, rivers, fire, flame. So it appears that there are going to be instances in which God's people go through trouble. Affliction. Heartache. Historically speaking, do you think that Israel went through these times. They passed through great waters, rivers. They felt like they were going to drown. They walked through instances, circumstances of fire. They they were being burned by various afflictions. And so the illustration is God's people are going to, in this life, suffer suffer and suffer greatly they're going to go through times of persecution and Israel knew this just go back in your mind being under pharaoh in Egypt living as slaves being taken by the enemies of God being taken to foreign lands We look at the book of Judges. How many times were they brought under their enemies and then cried out and then released and brought back to their enemies? These were great waters. These were great floods, so to speak. Great fires. Very hard. But what does God comfort us with here? Beginning in verse 1, working its way through verse 4. There in verse 1, He says, Fear not. You don't need to fear. Why? Because He promises, I will be with thee. These circumstances will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. They're not going to overtake you. Why? For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Notice the possession again. I am your personal Savior. I'm not just a God who's out there but I know you by name. I called you by name. You're my children. So yes, there are going to be times of heartache and despair, but I will work it for a purpose, for a reason that you cannot understand. I'm the potter, you're the clay, so I will mold you and make you to be what I want you to be for my glory. Aren't these comforting truths? These are truths that we need. We look at the world. What do we find around us? Floods, fires, persecution increasing. This world turned upside down. The Christian faith being mocked more and more. Sometimes we're tempted to fear what's on tomorrow. I mean, our nation can't even figure out that there are only two genders. The most elementary truth in the biological sphere. Christians are being persecuted In the UK and Canada, just for preaching that simple truth that God created them from the beginning, male and female. That's it. There are people, pastors, being arrested over that simple truth. So, should we fear? No. Scripture says, fear not. Why? Because we belong to God. He's our shepherd, He's our protector. He's our provider. He's the potter. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called called according to His purpose. Fear not. Jesus spoke that message. Let not your heart be troubled. Fear not. How many times did Jesus tell His apostles, fear not? Why do you fear? Why are you afraid, O oh, you of little faith? So, this also teaches us here that God knows something about our frame. He knows that which we're prone to, and that is the dungeon of fear. So, I don't know what specific fears you have in your life, but let this scripture comfort you. Maybe you have a fear about some health problem. Some family situation. Some financial crisis. Fear about our nation crumbling. The banks taking all your money. Fear. There's fear on every side, but we don't need to fear. Why? Because we are of the One who created everything. We are the One who sustains us. God who spoke all things into existence with His Word, has a way of providing for His own. So this is a pillow we can rest our hearts upon. This is a great comfort to our life. He continues on, verse 5, or no, I'm on verse 4. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore I will give men for thee and people for thy life. Wow, who, who is Israel to be called precious? Only in Christ, only by His grace can anyone be called precious in God's sight. We're, we're sinners by nature. We're rebels at the core, and yet God calls His people precious. What grace, and then what love, I have loved thee. And there, see, the personal Love that God has for His people. He has a common love. But there's also a personal love. There's a covenantal love that He has for His people. Verse 5, He continues, Fear not. There it is again. Fear not. When God repeats Himself several times, I think we should take note of that. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Why? For I am with thee. God's presence should expel our fears. If He's with us, Who can be against us? Fear not, I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. Now, this is a great statement. Notice it again. I will. There's the promise. It's going to be done. God's will will be done. I will bring thy seed. Okay, what's this seed? Physical or spiritual? Well, God does preserve Israel. We find that in the Old Testament. He preserves his national people. But is there a correlation to spiritual? Look at it. I will bring thy seed. And remember that there is a reference of seed in Genesis 3.15. And that seed continues through the end of the New Testament. God is bringing His people, His seed. His sheep, His children, seed. I will bring thy seed from the east. And gather thee from the west, and say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back, bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Now, remember last week we talked about God promising to work through the Gentiles. Where are the Gentiles? In one little nation, in one part of the world? No, the Gentiles are in the whole world. And Israel thought that they were God's special people, that God can only work through this little remnant. No, God is prophesying through Isaiah that He is going to reach the world for Christ. He is going to allow the Gentiles to be engrafted into the vine. And so we see the references, north, east, south, and west. The world, He is going to bring His sons and daughters Who can be God's son or daughter? Anyone and everyone who places their faith in Jesus Christ. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. What a wonderful prophecy we have here for us. God has and is working all around the globe through missionary letters north, east, south, and west, to bring people to Himself. The Good Shepherd is seeking His sheep. Even everyone, verse 7, everyone that is called by My name. Not everyone, but everyone who is called by His name. If God meant to say everyone, He would say everyone. And that would be universalism. If God wanted to save everyone, everyone would be saved. But the Bible says everyone that is called by my name. For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. Verse 8. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes. And the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together. So there's another reference. Let all the nations be gathered together. And let the people be assembled who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, It is truth. All right, so back to verse 8 bring forth the blind people that have eyes and deaf that have ears. There was a reference to that last week also in Isaiah 42. I asked the question what's being talked about here? Physical blindness? Physical deafness or spiritual? Well, it could be both. Because we do find references throughout the gospel that Jesus healed the blind and the deaf. And those were illustrations to salvation. They're pictures of what God does in salvation. Man naturally is blind. Spiritually blind. Dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible tells us man is spiritually ignorant to who God is. To who Christ is. To his need of salvation. The Bible says, Ephesians, man is in darkness. He's blind. He stumbles about the earth. Man naturally is deaf, right? He cannot hear the voice of God apart from God opening the ears. Romans chapter 3. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. Not even one. So do you see the picture of man's depravity? He's both blind and deaf. Have you ever talked to somebody about the goodness of God, about the gospel, and they just look at you with glazed over eyes? As if you're talking about the flying purple people leader? What? I need a Savior? No, I'm good. Jesus is the Savior. I mean, there's lots of saviors. Choose your own path. They don't get it. And they won't get it until God illuminates their understanding, until God breathes life into their soul. But Isaiah says, Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together. Let the people be assembled And for me, I'm thinking, as Isaiah speaks this, at Pentecost, what happened? All the nations were gathered. There were people of every nation there. Right? Remember Peter's listing of people from this land and that land and this land and that land? God in His grace brought them together. They were blind. They were deaf. Peter preached God opened their eyes, their spiritual eyes. God opened their ears. They cried out, what can we do to be saved? And God in His grace changed their hearts. And so that began a breakthrough to the nations. There was an assembly. God brought it together. God sent a preacher. And then through that, the gospel went to the uttermost parts of the earth. There's a prophecy of Pentecost right there. Let them bring forth their witnesses. That they may be justified. Or let them hear and say, it is truth. Whereas before they said, this is a lie, this is error. Christianity is not true. But through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth. Through the gospel of truth. Through the spirit of truth. They come to say, this is true. If you're a Christian, that's happened in your life whereas before you resisted it. I'm not sure if that's true. Maybe some of you have called it a lie. Thought Jesus was a figment of man's imagination. You thought Jesus was just one of many religious leaders. But in conversion, you come to see that Jesus is the Christ. He is God in the flesh. He's the one who's worthy to adore. Verse 10, "...Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord." And my servant, whom I have chosen, there's that term again, I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Why has God chosen us? Some people want to say, well, God only chose us so that we can be his servants. Well, yes, that's the end But God chose us to know Him. He chose us unto salvation. Some people want to say, well, election in the New Testament is only unto sanctification. God only elects people unto Christ-likeness. Well, yes, but no one can grow in Christ-likeness until they're in Christ. No one can start the process of sanctification until they are saved. And this answers it. You are my witnesses. Again, notice the personal possession. You're my witnesses, God says. You are my servant. I have chosen you that you may know and believe me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. They believe and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. Verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord And beside me there is no Savior. So here we see God emphasizing the fact that He is the only exclusive God. Any other gods that there may be in this world are no gods at all. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They're lifeless. They're dead. God is God and God alone. He is Lord over all. There is no other Savior. So that shatters any idea where... You pick your own religion, I'll pick my religion, we'll all end up in the same place. No, there's only one God, there's only one Savior, there's one way. Verse 12, I have declared and have saved. Notice the emphasis, I, 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 God is working, God is working. I have showed when there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses. Saith the Lord that I am God. So there's that word witnesses again, I would circle that and... If I'm doing my personal devotions, I might ask myself, Am I being a witness for the Lord? In what way am I being a witness for the Lord? Am I being a faithful witness for the Lord? If He has chosen me, if He has caused me to know Him, if He preserves me by His grace through the fires, what kind of witness am I being through those trials? A complaining witness, a murmuring witness, a joyful witness. We are God's witnesses. Are we speaking truth? Are we sharing with others the truths of the gospel? So there's evangelism right here in Isaiah chapter 43. We ought to be witnesses for Christ. We ought to be His servants. Doing His will, not our own. Verse 13, yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Verse 14, thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. He is holy. Isaiah chapter 6, he is holy, holy, holy. He is the one separated from from sinful men, set apart. He's the Holy One of Israel. We ought to esteem Him as holy. He's not somebody that we can fist bump. He's not someone that is like us. He's holy. He's sovereign. He's supreme. For your sake I have sinned to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in their ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters. So there, there's the similar reference to back to verse 1 and 2. There are seas that we go through. There are mighty waters that we might sail through, but God is with us. He's our king. He's our holy one. We don't need to fear. Verse 17, which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. Does that cause you to remember anything there? The Exodus? God overpowering Pharaoh? I think there's an allusion to that. Isaiah knows the history of Israel. Israel? God brings down mighty chariots, mighty armies in their power, but they are nothing before God. In the snap of His finger, He can take down any king, any army. That's an encouragement to us today with Rocket Man in North Korea. China and Russia. We have military personnel nearby. What's going to happen? Are they going to be okay is World War 3 upon us? Will we be living through World War 3? Maybe, maybe. And if we wake up one morning and the news headlines say World War 3 is here, what are we going to do? And go back to the word and remind yourself, God's in control. He holds the hearts of kings in his hands. We don't need to fear because at a moment, he can turn things for good. And he can use evil for good. Verse 18. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. That was a concept from the previous chapter. God's doing a new thing. Now it shall bring shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? Well, what is this new thing that he's doing? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Also remember, as you're going through things and you're not fully understanding it, that's okay. Keep reading. Sometimes the chapter will reference things for you so you can piece it all together. The Spirit has a way of bringing things to mind as you're reading. So God's going to do a new thing. He's going to make a way in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. Now we know what desert is. We live in one. Are there rivers in the desert? Well, last I checked, not a lot of rivers and lakes and water. Pretty dry. But God's going to do something unique. He's going to give water in the place that is dry. Could this be a reference to the gospel? Could this be? John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness. And he was preaching, one is coming mightier than I. Jesus went to the wilderness of Samaria, the Samaritan woman. And he talked about he's the living water. Oh, there's a reference. He's going to do a new thing. That it was new. Remember the apostles John 4, what are you doing talking to this Samaritan woman? She's not of the chosen of God. She's not of Israel. Well, she may not be of national Israel, but she's the chosen of God spiritually. She's one of my sheep. Remember Jesus said I must needs go through Samaria. The good shepherd left the apostles, to go to this woman at the well, this adulterous woman, full of sin, not worthy of salvation. He's doing a new thing. Reaching out to the Gentiles. Making of one. Male and female. Rich and poor. Educated, uneducated. Jew. Gentile. He's doing a new thing. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give water... In the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people. So we may not understand this, but we can understand this. God is giving drink to his people, his chosen. What drink? Physical or spiritual? I think this is spiritual. Jesus says, John 4, he's the living water. If any, Drink, they will be satisfied. And guess what? All who drink of this living water are God's chosen. Those who believe are God's sheep. Those who believe are God's elect. They belong to his bride. There it is again, chosen. How many times has chosen been used throughout this chapter alone? I haven't counted it, but several times already. And then the personal references, I've called you, you are mine, I'm your king, you're my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. Verse 21, They shall show forth my praise. Now we're almost there in 1 Peter, but Peter tells us, chapter 2, Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, so that you might show the praises of Him who has called you. Later on, go back to 1 Peter 2. There's another reference here Peter's drawing from. This chapter, this specific verse. God forms us, not only physically, but spiritually. He brings us to Himself so that we might show forth His praise. Ephesians 1, to the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. You see, these truths are everywhere. They just come together so perfectly. Verse 22, But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob. Alright, what's going on here? But thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Alright, sounds like they're in trouble. Sounds like the Father is displeased with the Son. And was that so with Israel? Were there times that Israel... Went wayward? Yes. Did the father have to chastise his child to bring them back? Israel? That's why God sent the prophets. Jeremiah says, You're under every green tree. You're out in the wilderness serving gods that are no gods. You're playing the part of the harlot. You've not called upon me, O Jacob. Thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings. You're not doing what I've wanted you to do, what I've commanded you to do. Neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. If we're familiar with Isaiah, we could go back to Isaiah 1. And Isaiah is rebuking the nation. Just stop with your hypocritical sacrifices. They were physically sacrificing to the Lord. They were routinely doing what God wanted, but it wasn't from their heart. And God said, these sacrifices are nauseating in the nostrils of God. He doesn't want your sacrifices. He wants your heart. So that's what's being referred to here. Verse 24, Thou hast bought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me. There's that weary word again. You've wearied me with thine iniquities. So here, sin and iniquities is being pointed out. Does God take account of our sin? Does it really matter living holy before Him? Yes, we see. The Father's heart is pained when His children give way to disobedience. Why? Because they can't be godly witnesses, as we just saw, as He would have. I, even I, verse 25, am He that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. We are prone to forget. We're prone to wander. So here's a call, a gracious call. Put me in your remembrance. Put me back in your mind. Put me back in the preeminent state that I ought to be. Let us plead together. Well, that's, that's a reference from chapter 1. Come now. Let us reason, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So here we see an invitation. When we fall away from the Lord, when we sin, God is gracious to forgive us. If we confess it as sin, if we repent. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Thy first father hath sinned. and Thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore, I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary and have given Jacob to a curse and Israel to reproaches. So that teaches us there are consequences for sin, for wrong choices. God does sometimes allow his children to eat the fruit of their own ways. And so, this is a warning. Jacob Israel in your sin I've given you over to your own curse your own reproaches but will Jacob and Israel be ultimately be lost is God done with them is he going to put them on the shelf after Isaiah's ministry no why because they belong to him and so take that truth parallel it to us all right, what we can't do is say, well that's for physical national Israel, this has nothing to do with us. The whole of Romans makes it clear, if we believe, if we have faith, we are united with Abraham through that faith. Therefore, we are of Abraham's seed. We are the Israel of God. Spiritually in Christ we are. God has worked through national Israel. No no doubt about that. God still has a plan to work through Israel. But we are in Christ, the Israel of God. And so, even though we stray and sin, the Father who loves us brings us back to His fold. We will never be ultimately lost. We looked at that last Sunday night. We persevere because He preserves us. So there's Isaiah 43, full of comfort, full of encouragement, full of Bible doctrine, full of grace after grace after grace after grace. We sin, He still loves us. We love Him only because He first loved us. That's obvious in the text. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. So there it is again. Two chapters full of the same messages, prophetic in nature, messianic in nature, all pointing to Christ, all giving a spiritual application for our walk with the Lord. Hope that's a help in some way.